Hello, and welcome to the Stink Space Podcast. Before we get started, we wanted to have a quick word about our sponsor. Now, dear Stank Babies, let's roll right into the Stank Space Podcast. talking about nothing that was good uh, honestly honestly that outro was pretty bomb just did it two seconds ago but i <laughs> heard what she said dude i just listened again yeah as the editor i probably listened to it 15 times that was, was like, what is wrong i think we're just aiming for sloppiest intro possible mm-hmm. but i prefer free the word freestyle yeah i called sloppy. i called guinness earlier yeah actually <laughs> yeah we're uh Rung him up on the cell, and you're yeah, like, hey, yo, Guinness, Mr. Guinness. And, you know, they're going to actually be here yeah. to test us, to make sure we, we actually get the right one. So, if you're not listening, or are listening, duh. Sorry about me having a weird mouth Yeah, attack. Jill just did some weird like, shit. I almost just threw up. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that for you. <laughs> I love that for you. Oh, my gosh. Um, um, but yeah, so if you are listening, just help me, like, type, hate at Guinness on Twitter. Dude, these guys have the sloppiest intro ever. Check <laughs> it out. Yeah, can you please get us that award? That would be amazing. Yeah, we would um, dedicate it to you. Speaking of amazing. Amazing, <laughs> dude. I'm yeah. so, oh my goodness. He is the cutest thing in the world and he has the best parents in the world. Yes, he does. If you don't know who we're talking about, Connor Gabriel Stanko has been born. (laughs) He was born on the 27th. Definitely the 27th. Definitely, But the reason why we're confused on if it's the 27th or the 26th or the 28th is because Tori was in labor for 38 hours. Yeah, we got there at 5 in the morning. 38 hours later, we, we had a little baby boy born by C-section, completely healthy, all his fingers and toes. His head was too big yeah. to come naturally, so they, they had to cut him off. Doctor's like, dude, he's just got a ginormous yeah. brain. Yeah, big brain. Big brain baby. Big brain baby. That's his rap name. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so he's beautiful, he's healthy, he screams a lot, so if you hear him, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, but sorry, babies cry. Um, 
sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Tori is great too. If anyone's wondering about that, yeah, she's Tori, fine. do you want to come say a word? Just say hi. She's doing mom stuff in the yeah, kitchen. She's doing all the mom stuff. It's okay though. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're going to talk about, since, since I, I spent a week in the hospital, you would you like to say hi, say let hi everyone know everyone. you're not dead? You're the best mom ever. Hello, I am not the best mom ever, <laughs> and I just had a tiny human, and he is great. Yes, yes. <laughs> so everyone's safe, everyone's alive. They're very fucking tired, very tired. Oh yeah, you told me you got five. Yeah, hey, you know it's a thing. It's no one ever says it, but having a baby is so exhausting, dude. No they one do ever... say it. You just don't pay attention. <laughs> no, no one like, warned whatever. us. No one warned us that this baby was gonna be a sap. <laughs> like just pulls energy, but it's worth it because he's a sweetheart. He's yeah. actually in the, you know, in retrospect of babies, my siblings oh, and yeah. stuff compared to all them, he's great. And he's he only cried because he was like, dude, I want my binky and my mom, dude. Or I have to fart. Yeah. Yeah, for Oh, my God, this kid. <laughs> he farts so much. If, if you could load guns with farts instead of bullets, he'd be an AK-47. <laughs> he lets them off. Like, extendo clip. <laughs> farts, bro. <laughs> it's bad. It's great. I love it. Um, like father, like son. Yeah, but you. So you guys were in the hospital for thirty-eight hours. How was that experience? Uh, it's okay. So, I'm tempted to say mediocre, just because like when you're in a hospital for that long and you yeah. haven't slept, it doesn't matter how nice anyone is. Eventually, shit is just like too much. Yeah. And then you know if you're Tori, who's sitting there trying to squeeze a big brain baby out of her <laughs> fucking not big brain shaped hoo ha, it you know it's a difficult fucking task. It really is like. She fucking, she, she, her main thing was like, I don't want a C-section if I don't have to get it. So she tried and tried and tried and then literally got to the point where the doctor's like, yo, this ba- this baby's not coming out. You've got a seat. Like, his head is stuck <laughs> in her cervix. So, yeah, they pulled his ass out, C-section. Um, and so no one's ever happy after that. Like, it's tough, but we've been, we both keep telling each other we're doing a good job. That's and we. I genuinely think that. I genuinely feel that we're doing doing such a good job. Yeah, you know, Connor's only hit the bong like three times. (laughs) So as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) that's a joke. (laughs) Tori, Tori just mouthed the word CPS at me. So letting everyone know that's a joke. Uh, Just so you're aware, the Stink Space podcast tells jokes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, please don't send the police after us. I swear the baby doesn't. Oh my god! This kid's taking big baby bong rips, dude. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> they say I heard him. big baby bong rips. And Fuck the police it. is like, he's, all right, ma'am. He's goo-goo gassed, bro. <laughs> uh, my, little, my little heavy baby. No, but he doesn't have tie-dye clothes, so he's on track to become a beautiful baby. Thank you, Sierra Gifford. There's your shout-out. Thank you for the gift. And Devontae Taylor and Mackenzie... What? Fath? <laughs> we don't know your last name, sweetie, but we love you all the same. Thank you, and thank you for everyone who got him stuff, including you, Jill. The most beautiful. Got, we got a diaper genie, which is yeah, a lifesaver. After everyone else got like a, it's the same diaper. We got like three but diaper no, genies. Really, really, because my mom has one, and then we have one for the bathroom and one for his actual. Bathroom. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. So I'm not gonna lie. When I saw there were three of them, I was like, I screwed up and I cried. 
Yeah. But, it, yeah, <laughs> there's one in the bathroom. It protects our trash from our disgusting dog goblin. Speaking of the picture of the stickers, I'm, I'm doing the final touches. Haven't been able to finish it because I had a fucking kid. But uh, the final <laughs> touches are coming up and it'll be it'll be posted. Can I color? Yeah, if you want to, yeah. That way, it's just a picture of goblin. Like how as an alien. She's like, yeah. Yeah, and it'll say stank space underneath. Yeah, all you, all you waiting for the Patreon that's coming for you. Yeah, I, I thought, why don't we just like post a picture of it on Facebook and pin it, and then people want to buy it, they can just DM us. DM us. I'm here for that too. It's gonna be like probably like three bucks, two bucks, three bucks, depending on how much it costs us to print it. Yeah, we'll always be honest. We're not gonna bump it up ten dollars just because. Yeah, no, fifteen dollars a sticker, please. Thank you. <laughs> Twenty dollars a yeah. sticker. Sorry guys. Dude. Sorry. That's just we'll how that's, that's the way Hollywood works, bro. That's the life. <laughs> um, but yeah. So speaking of hospitals, you had a. I have okay. So we're gonna talk about hospital stories. Just for a like bit. you, just like probably some people listening here. I have fear of medical needles. Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah. Me and Jillian share a lot, hilariously enough, uh, a lot of stuff in common. One of those is uh, the fear of hypodermic needles. I don't know the professional word for it. Um, the, the the fear, I think, is like, tri- I want to say tri- tryptophobia? Tri- tripophobia? I, I have no idea. Yeah, needle phobia. Um, but yeah, we both have it. Sorry, being me laptop's trying to restart. Yeah, I'm we're just like, doing some quick hacking. Today, we're just hacking real quick. Um, so yeah, so Fear I needles. was not afraid of it. I used to watch the needles go in my arm. <laughs> I was not afraid of it when I was when I was little. Word. So I am one of the kind of people that if I get dehydrated, I like go downhill fast. Like, I'll be dehydrated but then just I need to go to the hospital like 10 minutes later. I was close. Okay. The word is trypanophobia. Panophobia. I think tryptophobia is the fear of holes. It's that weird one that people don't like, where like there's like a billion holes in your hand or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because like bugs live in your in your body. It, it, is that the fear? Is it a fear of holes or is it a fear of what could be lurking in the holes? It's like the I don't know. There's probably like different ones. Okay. Yeah. We have to get a we have to get a fear expert on here. That'd be fun. Um, Does anybody know a, a a rational fear expert? If you do, um, have them email us, please. Um, so, so what was your story? How were you turned? How were you turned to the dark side? Very dehydrated, very quickly. So, when, can you not? Bro? Race cars are outside. I'm having it right. That's some of your ASMR I was telling you guys about earlier. Um, so, I remember I was very dehydrated. Don't remember when it was or where. Um, I was so dehydrated that I was like woozy. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I knew that they had to put an IV on me. I've been dehydrated before at IVs. It happens. You gotta do it. Yeah. That's so, how they get your water back in, bro. Yeah. So they the guy is like taking out my arm and shit, and he's going for this vein. It's the one in the middle of her we- inner weenus. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so if you feel, if you okay, so clench your fist, and then just put your finger right here, and then flex it. You feel those like weird like tendon things in there. Yeah. That's. That's that's part of the story. Just remember that. Okay. All, all the viewers, clench your fists, kind of do a ninety degree. The crook of your arm. Anger and feel that little little yeah. tendon thing. Yeah. So he does it, and he hits that. Ooh. And it was so painful. I was like, dude, you gotta you gotta switch to the other arm. You gotta figure something else. 
out. Like, it hurt so bad. Yeah, I hear you. And ever since then, like, I didn't even realize I had it until the next time I had to go to the hospital for dehydration. Yeah. This time was really bad. Um, like, for, for example, just to give you an idea of um, what exactly, like, how fast dehydration is for me. I was drinking water all day. It was a hot day on the marching band field. I'm walking around with my tuba. Marching band tuba. Yeah. And you have to, there's parts when certain sections need to yeah. do their own thing. So you just got to chill there for a while. Yeah. And I was like, whew, like something's wrong. Like, I'm not feeling good. So I take my tuba off. I like, <laughs> I, yeah, I have to take it off because I, I, I'm not feeling well. And I was like, I'm, maybe I should go to the side. No, I'll be fine. I'm just going to chill here for a minute. Um, and then I passed out. Like you took off your tuba and then just slumped out. Yep. Were you in full regalia? Were you in like your fucking coat and, no. and shit? I was in shorts and a t-shirt. That's why this. Oh was snap, like, bro! Yeah. So I passed out. Word. It was only for a few seconds, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my band teacher being like, "Jill, Jill, Jill," and I'm like, "Something wrong? What's <laughs> going on? Just help me up." That's a little Yeah, no, I wasn't good. They took me inside. The, the, everyone's like, "Oh, like here, drink some water." And it's like, "Have you been drinking water all day?" Yes, I have been. It was fine. You know, it was just dehydration. I know how to deal with this. So we go home. Mom takes me home. I eat some pickles, good for electrolytes. Yeah. I drink some water. Yeah. I'm like hell yeah. You ever in a tight spot? Like I'm feeling better. Slam some pickle juice. Pickle juice. Yeah. That, it definitely also, if you're anyway. a frequent alcoholic, do a shot of pickle juice before you do your shot of Jack Daniels, and you'll stay hydrated, and it'll help decrease chances of uh, hangovers when you wake up. Yeah. Yes. Pickle juice is nature's Gatorade. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Juice they just hook the pickles up to these, like, m- like milkers. Like, it, it's instead of the udders of a cow, they just fill the holes with pickles. Sucks all that juice right out. Okay. And then, yeah. So, so you went to the you went home you went ate home. some pickles yeah dude drink some water have some power in hell yeah feeling better belly feels weird oh here comes the throw up oh you threw up I yeah. threw up that's when my mom so was like have, okay we need to go was it dehydration or was it heat stroke Dehi- we they actually I think the doctors thought doctors thought it was heat stroke yeah, yeah. so like we go like in I'm, in I'm sitting in the car like dude I'm gonna throw up again and I was like don't do it. <laughs> Mom is like, if you fucking throw up in my car, Dude, uh, I she, feel that. She gave me a little, a little Tupperware thing. I'm like, this. Is... <laughs> so she's like, she's like, okay, like just go in because it was an emer- uh, not an emergency room, but a um, urgent care. You sure. know, because they're cheaper for pe- different people's insurance. And so yeah, on and, so forth. and you know, dehydration yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing unless yeah. you think it's dehydration. It can easily treated. It can be easily right. treated. Um, so we go in. I start like getting was you gotta go to center or something. I gotta do this thing when my mom's coming. <laughs> like, and she's like, "Are you okay, honey?" I was like, "I'm just dehydrated. I'm fine." <laughs> and she's like, "And I, and she's like, okay, just wait there. I'll wait till your mom comes in." So I'm standing there, I'm like, like freaking about Ooh. to fall over, and she's like, "Something's wrong here." Like, she grabs me, pulls me into the room. They're like calling ambulance. Like, it was craziness. And so, the moral of the story is. <laughs> Don't drink pickle juice. <laughs> yeah, the moral of the story is I'm afraid of needles because as they were transporting me to the emergency room, yes, um, they gave me some medicine. Like I was good, like because I wasn't feeling like I was gonna throw up, and they bring me in, and they're like, "Okay, we have to do your IV now." And I was like, "Like, oh shit, yeah, we're, what's happening right now?" Like, I hope you don't stab like, it into my muscles. Yeah, and um, 
So they start doing it, and I'm like, <sighs> like I'm like screaming, <laughs> screaming, and my mom is like, Jillian, it's fine, you're okay. I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> I'm dehydrated I was and crying. having a panic attack. Yep, and everything. And I threw up pickle juice. <laughs> Oof. So yeah, that was when that was when I dis- really discovered that I was absolutely terrified of needles. Yes, is like because I was like, oh no, I'm not afraid of needles. Like, dude, a, a freaking pencil doesn't scare me. Dude, yeah. I mean, I I'm just mechanical pencil <laughs> scared. Because, <laughs> oh, you mean like how yeah. kids will make it look like a like a needle like going a syringe in? That used to yeah, classy. I, it's not like that, but you it's just like... You got bamboozled by the mechanical pencil trick, dude? <laughs> Legendary. Legendary bamboozle right there. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, my fear is the same. I don't scream, because I'm not a little girl, Jillian. Well, I, I screamed the first time, because I didn't even know I was afraid of it until it was happening. Yeah. So it was just like, all of a sudden, like, ah, I can't handle this, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But now, I went to get my blood drawn. My blood drawn? My blood drawn. <laughs> Um, I went to get my blood drawn. I was like, she's doing her thing with needle and everything. She's literally wiping my arm, and I was like, "What's happening? Is the dot is done?" I'm such a dumb. But like, I'm holding under Jared. I'm looking at him like this, with my teeth clenched and tears rolling down my yeah. eyes. And I was like, <laughs> "That's what I have to do." Yeah. When I get a shot, it doesn't matter if it's a flu shot. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's a a giant monster needle for when I had my like my uh, my wisdom teeth removed. There's got to be Tori or my mom holding my hand. I turn whiter than a clan member, and I just fucking shake, and, and it gets real bad. Did I turn white, Jared? Uh, you didn't really get to that point, no. But you, sc- but you screamed. I was, uh, I was like... I was, like, looking at him and clenching my teeth, and I could not. I Guys, vote below. Who's a bigger baby? The guy who turns white and shakes, or the lady who screams? Uh, let us know I in the comments below. Once. <laughs> So, speaking of comments below, somehow, let's tie this into our audience. Our last episode with the bomb boss Joe, boss man Joe, was yep. fucking cool. Yes. Um, we gained a huge batch of yeah. listeners. We're and so grateful for you guys. Yeah. Welcome to Stank Space. Yes. Welcome to the family. We just do this. And you're like, wow, this sounds horrible. There's yeah. a fan going, there's yeah, a no, we have, crying. We have terrible audio quality, but we yes. do it for you. Yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> Hello, all of Jill's friends from work that work oh, with her. I know you guys have been waiting for an episode, but here it is. <laughs> You're welcome. So, we love and appreciate you. Uh, and thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening to us talk. Yeah. And speaking of, we're gonna talk about a a pretty a pretty dope dude in the in the world of serial killers. He's oh, a yeah. he's a heavy hitter. He's a he's a don. Dude, I, I actually, we were actually, I was scrolling through Facebook and Nick had reposted this guy. Yeah. We'll talk about it in the next part. It's coming. Just ha- be patient. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I mean, um, it's, I we saw... just say thank you for listening and you're automatically going to start going off on us. Like, <laughs> that's rude. That's rude of you. But, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like a good ice cream. <laughs> you know, the last bite's the best. Uh, Fucking wait for it, yeah. bud. Just you don't want brain it. freeze. <laughs> Have a chill pill. One bite at a time. Here you go. Chill pill for yeah. you. Chill pill for you. I'm literally physically handing out. It's funny pills. because ice cream goes with the serial killer that we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm excited. I saw this video of him, and he's just like, he's, he's like sitting there like with dad eyes. He's like a dad. He's like a fucking, yeah. just a white dad. Yeah. Should we tell them who it is? Or should we keep no, letting them wait? No, they have to wait. They have yeah? to wait. Okay. <laughs> 
You got two clues. White Dad, he's on multiple multiple video interviews, and Ice Cream goes with his name somehow. Yeah, the thing is, like, I just, he freaks me out because he has just dead eyes. Yeah, no remorse Nothing. at all. One of my favorite things about serial killers. He's just like, yo, they try to, they try to tell me that I like freaking chainsaws. <laughs> I, I, dude, that was my favorite part. Yeah. He didn't say that, actually. Like, I, I didn't kill like, anyone with a chainsaw, I just chopped up their body parts, <laughs> yeah. bro. It's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And no, he, and he's like, <laughs> Here's your next hint. He likes, um, canoe. <laughs> that part was so funny. Uh, All right, guys. You'll find out in a minute, and uh, we love you, and I'm sorry I woke up the baby. There's Connor. He didn't wake him up. He just wakes up randomly. It's time for him to eat, actually. And, uh, let's roll that ad. Yeah, let's roll that ad. Hell yeah. Yeah. How can your heart Uh, Yeah, Connor's farts smell super bad, Um, as you may have heard Tori say, if the mic picked that up. Um, So, the guy that we're talking about, the big baddie, the one you've been waiting for, that you're in suspense for, he is Richard Kuklinski. 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 The the Iceman. Watch out, he might get you. Yeah, he's dead. Don't fucking worry. Yeah, well, his ghost might. Yeah, the ghost of... The cuck ghost. <laughs> His curse yeah. is to roam the world, and anyone who makes fun of him is yeah. the haunt. So, big rich cuck <laughs> is who we're talking about today. He's scary. Yeah, scary as f- as frick. Heck. As frickin' heck. Hey, hey ho, heck. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah. Dude um, is a, you know, he's a, he was just like an easy overcap. He was one of the few serial killers who got good at what he did and stayed out of the limelight for so long because he was, like, the only one that I know. Well, no, that's not true. There's a lot of serial killers that you could argue were mafia. But this guy was found by the mafia, and his killing, the, the, his cold-heartedness and the way that he killed was so appreciated and admired that they hired him to do, do hits. Yeah. And that's how he made a lot of his money. This dude was big balling, like, Trump-style for a... For a for a fat so the minute. mafia figured out who the hell he was, but the police couldn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll talk about like how he got tied into it. But he was so cold blooded. He basically his initiation in the mafia was he was riding in the car with, I think the mafia guy DeMeo, um, and he said, "Kill that dude." And it was just some random guy on the sidewalk outside, and so Richard got out of the car and shot the guy in the head. Just got out, put the gun to the dude's head, at the back of his head, blew his brains out. The guy walked on the street, probably didn't even know what happened except for feeling the gun. And then he got back in the car like it was nothing. And that's why they call him the Iceman, because he's cold-blooded. He's, uh, or he was able to kill with absolutely no remorse. I think he does talk about feeling bad about one of them, um, but it was more of the circumstances, and we'll talk about it, which was my favorite kill. And I know you're not supposed to have a favorite kill, but how Hollywood that it was, was mm-hmm. or how he explained it is something like that could only be out of a movie. That's I what think, I... It's it's mind-blowing yeah, how someone could be like that. I think I remember that because that was in... Actually, the first interview I saw of him when Nick, like, reposted it or something. And this guy, dude, it was it was so weird. For a second, he's just like... He's like, ah, yeah. He seems like a dude that would be in there for bank robbery. Yeah. And then he's talking about, like, he's how murdered he just, so many people. No remorse at all. His yeah. eyes are completely dead. It is the scariest thing. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, absolutely. 
one of the few that were civil enough, controlled enough, I should say, to like talk at, to an extent about it. And, like, like a, a lot of a lot of his airtime was on news channels, which he had a big ego, so he liked to he liked to talk. But um, so we're gonna talk about. Richard Kuklinski, the Iceman. We're going to talk about all this stuff. I'm going to, as always, start with his early life. Mm. He was, um, Richard was born on April 11th, 1935, in his family's apartment. So he wasn't born in a hospital, he was born in an apartment. Okay. On 4th Street in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. His dad's name was Stanislaw Kuklinski, uh, which is super Polish. He was a Polish immigrant. But they called him Stanley, because Stanislaw is a weird name, I guess. Um, uh, and yes. his dad, his dad, Stanley worked as a brakeman on the railroad, so he was doing that hardcore, like tough manly work shit. Yeah. Um, and then his mom, Anna McNally, was the daughter of Catholic Irish immigrants from Dublin, and she worked in a meatpacking plant while Richard was a kid. So automatically, you've got hardworking immigrant dude, um, you know, and back in that time. The Polish got it just as bad as and basically any immigrant um, that was coming over was mm-hmm. treated like shit. Um, so it's no surprise that he grew up, Richard grew up in an abusive household. His alcoholic father repeatedly beat him throughout his childhood. And then Richard claimed that his mother beat him with broom handles, Ooh. sometimes breaking the handle on his body during the assaults. Oh, shit. Um, and other household objects. Kuklinski later recalled during an interview an incident during his preteen years when his mother Sorry. had attempted homicide on her husband by stabbing him twice with a kitchen knife. Oh. <laughs> um, so when he was a preteen, he watched his mom <laughs> stab the shit out of his dad. Uh, oh. She was a zealous Christian who believed that stern discipline should be accompanied by a strict religious upbringing, so she raised her son in the Roman Catholic Church where he became an altar boy. He later rejected Catholicism, however, um, and that's right around the time he hit one of the Golden Trio, which he started exhibiting cruelty to animals, killing neighborhood cats by tying their tails together with rope and throwing them over clothing lines to watch them tear each other apart. Um, And then during different times, he would throw individual cats alive into basement incinerators and then watch them uh, through the big glass oven doors as they ran around in circles and burned alive. Um, yeah, so real, f- you know, kind of fucked up dude. Yeah. Therapy would be good. Um, Kuklinski would sometimes fantasize about murdering his father while he was torturing stray dogs. He also took from uh, his hometown neighborhood. And he said in an interview that he wishes he could have murdered his father, but he never did. Oh. Um, he had three siblings. His older brother, Florian, who died at the age of eight from injuries inflicted by his father during a violent beating, the family lied to the police, saying that Florian had fallen down a flight of stairs. Stanley abandoned the the shitty dad, abandoned the family shortly after he murdered the first son, and then Richard, who was the second son, had a youngest sister, Roberta, and a younger brother, Joseph, who in 1970, Joseph, was convicted convicted of raping a 12-year-old girl and murdering her by throwing her off the top of a five-story building, along with her pet dog. Interesting. Very interesting. When asked about his brother's crimes, Richard replied, quote, we come from the same father, unquote. So he was basically saying he believed Joseph was just as fucked in the head as he was. Um, and he blames his dad and the upbringing they had 
for those, uh, you know, the violent and homicidal tendencies. So, so far, just off to a great start. Oh, yeah. And if you hear baby crying, do deal Shut with the fuck it. Up about same, it. Same thing Mind with your the business. cat. Always the same thing. Donate. Donate to our anchor so we can afford to give him, I don't know, sleeping lessons? Sleeping lessons? <laughs> no. So we can afford to make... A ro- make or yeah. find somewhere. Buy us a podcast yes. room. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Never ever. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's how it is, right? You do you, buddy. We'll just build one with our bare hands. <laughs> um, so before he becomes this famous contract killer, um, Kuklinski is working at a warehouse in New Jersey. Uh, he was already married to a woman nine years older than him named Linda, and they had two sons. At that time, he meets Barbara... Pedrici, who worked as a secretary in the same business that Richard was working at. She claimed in an interview with The Telegraph that once, during an argument in a car, she told Richard she wanted to see other people. He responded by silently jabbing her from behind with a hunting knife that was so sharp that she didn't even feel the blade go into her body. Oh, um, my God. She said that she felt the blood running down her back, and that's what she knew. So, he had a very sharp knife. Um, he then told her that she belonged to him and that if she tried to leave, he would kill her entire family. When Barbara began screaming at him in anger, he, quote, throttled her into unconsciousness, unquote, which is just a real cool way of saying punch the shit out of her. And yeah. this dude was large. He wasn't a, a tiny dude. His wife, mm-hmm. Barbara, is tiny. You see that in the interviews. Yeah. He was large. Um, so it was not a fair beating in any sense of the word. Uh, they then get married in 1961, as oh. anyone does after you get stabbed and beaten to yeah. blacking out. You're like, immediate next step, let's get married. <laughs> um, that's so fucked up. Um, and then they had two daughters, which, you know, I'm sure made the situation so much better. They were Merrick and Kristen, and then they had a son named Dwayne. Barbara describes... Um, Richard's behavior at this time is alternating between good Richie and bad Richie, mm-hmm. um, which is like an early precursor to what we'll, they find out later is that he had severe bipolarism. Mm-hmm. Um, good Richie was a hardworking provider and an affectionate father and loving husband who enjoyed time with his family. In contrast, bad Richie, who would appear at irregular intervals, sometimes one day after another, other times not appearing for months cough, cough, bipolarism, cough, cough. Yeah. And this isn't the fake bipolarism that you see some neighborhood chick on fucking Facebook posting on, oh, well, I'm so bipolar, I just bitched out my baby daddy, ha, 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 I kicked him out because he didn't buy her fucking cherry popsicles from Walmart or some shit. Um, yeah, no. This is real bipolarism <laughs> where you're just sitting enjoying TV and someone drops a cup and now you're a homicidal maniac and you beat the shit out of the person that dropped the cup. Yeah. Um... Not all bipolarism's like that. Just this guy's was. He was very violent, he, and it flipped like a switch, literally. Um, so, he, like, he was un- he was prone to un- unpredictable fits of rage, uh, smashing furniture, and a lot of domestic violence. During these periods, he was physically abusive to his wife, one time breaking her nose and giving her a black eye, Ooh. but he was never physical on the children. He was emotionally abusive to the children. Merrick, his daughter, later recalls that Richard once killed her dog right in front of her to punish her for coming home late. Uh, and I don't like that. And I, oh, dude. <laughs> and I, oh. oh. And I, oh. Um, 
Kuklinski's fa- Kuklinski's family um, and their neighbors uh, were never aware of his activities and instead believed that he was this successful businessman, which is the persona that he put on. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara suspected that Kuklinski was at least occasionally involved in crime, due in part to his possession of large amounts of cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but she never expressed these worries to him. She had a don't-ask-questions philosophy when it came to his business life and never really questioned where he was going um, when he said he was leaving. Just, you know, she would accept his ex- his kind of shitty excuses, like, oh, I'm going for work, and then there was, like, no further explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, authorities then describe Kuklinski, um, when he, after he gets caught, they, they explain that he was super unusual amongst the mobsters and the killers that he was hanging out with. Mm-hmm. So apart from his violent temper, he had none of the voices or of the vices that other common uh, criminals have. He mm-hmm. wasn't uh, alcoholic. He didn't abuse drugs. He was in a womanizer, but he did have a serious weakness for high stakes gambling, and uh, he lost a lot of the money that he made just gambling. So he wasn't very wow. good. Yeah. Um, his motives for murder were also unusual. They didn't fit into the standard serial killer categories of lust murder, revenge murder, or, or angels of mercy. So he just killed for money, which isn't necessarily a serial killer, but you are when you've killed a fuck ton of people, right? Yeah. So, I would um, say so, for sure. So his criminal life. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. Uh, he claimed that he first killed in 1949 when he was 13 years old. Allegedly using a clothes uh, a, a clothes hanging rod from a closet to bludgeon a neighborhood boy who was bullying him. Oh! By the mid 1950s, he had earned a reputation as an explosive pool shark who would beat or kill those who annoyed him. Eventually, he claimed his criminal activity brought him to the attention of Newark's not New York Newark N E W A R K. Um, the De De Cavalcante crime family. I'm Italian, but I can't say any of our names, bro. Uh, they hired him for his first gangland slang. Um, so killing a rival gang member. Beginning in the spring of 1954, Kuklinski then began prowling Hell's Kitchen as a homicidal predator searching for potential human prey. According to the author Philip Carlo, he came to Manhattan numerous times over the ensuing weeks and months and killed people. Always men, never a female. Always someone who had rubbed him the wrong way for some imagined or extremely slight reason. He shot, stabbed, and bludgeoned his victims to death. He left some right where they dropped, um, or he would dump them into the Hudson River. Uh, murder for Richard became sport. The New York police came to believe that the, the bums that he was killing were just attacking and killing one another, so they never suspected that they had a full-fledged serial killer from Jersey City coming over to the west side of Manhattan for the purpose of killing people. Um, and he wasn't just... And because of that, he got good at it because he wasn't being looked for. Mm-hmm. He got all the practice he needed to get and he was able to perfect the craft of murder. Um, he made the west side of Manhattan this kind of street laboratory um, for murder or as Richard says, a school. It was a, his school of murder uh, was this time. He later recalled... Um, Quote, by now you know what I liked most was the hunt, the challenge of what the thing was. The killing for me was secondary. I got no rise um, out of the killing, for the most part. 
but the figuring out, the challenge, the stalking and doing it right successfully, that excited me a lot. The greater the odds against me, the more juice I got out of it. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so I think that's what makes him fall more under the serial killer motif. Not just the body count that he racked up, but hmm. how he reacted to the killing. He, yeah. You know, and he obviously showcased a lot of, like, the early torture and killing of animals the abuse and stuff like that that he suffered from his mother and father are all like precursors for serial killers so he does qualify even though he's a hitman and he he only kills for money he's also killing because he likes not the act of killing he likes planning it Mm -hmm. so uh, Richard was bipolar as they later found out and I mentioned earlier and should have been taking medication to stabilize his behavior his sudden highs and lows But going to see a psychiatrist was out of the question. He'd be admitting something was wrong with him, and he would never do that. Because he considers himself the biggest, baddest, nothing's wrong with me, I can hold everything down. Um, I'm not going to be my father. (laughs) Kuklinski was interviewed by renowned forensic psychiatrist Dr. Park Dietz in 2002 at Trenton State Prison. The two spoke at length in a videotaped interview um, about Kuklinski's upbringing, family life, crimes, and other events in his past. In one of the videotape segments where Dykes questioned whether a prior incident of murder over a trivial slight was justified, Kuklinski experienced a flushed moment of subdued, subdued homicidal rage. He told the doctor that he wanted to know what events or mental irregularities made him able to perform the acts of which he was accused. After a lengthy discussion, it's, it's either Dietz or Dykes, the, the doctor cited nature versus nurture, stating that his professional opinion was that both played a part in Kuklinski's development into a hitman who could be functional in his other aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor elaborated that Kuklinski likely inherited antisocial, antisocial personality disorder from his parents and that the abuse he claims to have suffered from his father reinforced violence, um, activities requiring a lack of conscience and a lack of love. Uh, the doctor also stated that Kuklinski suffered from paranoid personality disorder, which caused him to kill people for minor slights or criticisms, often long after they occurred. And when they say minor slights or criticisms, this is, he would kill a dude for just bumping into him on the sidewalk by accident. Yeah. He, would fu- he would fucking kill that guy. Yeah. And then, like, leave him in an alleyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the stories I remember is, like, he had a, he had a hit, on, hit out on some guy or whatever, and, like, he's just checking him out. And he, like, pulls up next to him in a motorcycle, and the guy goes, fuck off, and he shoots him. Yeah, yeah, just boom, right through the window. Um, so this is when he gets super, like, you're not just being a hitman, now you're, like, a personal hitman for, like, mob bosses. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about probably the the deadliest mob family, which is still around, they're still alive today, Mm -hmm. they ran everything and everything all in, in the Northeast, including in Ohio. Cleveland used to be a huge mob, mob area. Oh, yeah. Ashtabula used to be a mob area. Um, and there's still mob around today. It's mm-hmm. not just in Las Vegas, like movies say, or in New York, like movies say. Um, our people are everywhere, and they're still running shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big family is the Gambino crime family. Mm-hmm. They're one of the biggest. Kuklinski becomes associated with them through his relationship with Roy DeMeo which started because of a debt that Kuklinski owned to a DeMeo crew member. DeMeo and several members of his crew were sent to intimidate Richard and then proceeded to beat and pistol whip him. 
DeMeo is said to have been impressed because Richard took the beating, quote, like a man, unquote. After Kuklinski repaid his debt, he started working with the DeMeo gang as an associate, not a soldier, but earning their respect for continually earning them cash and gradually drifting into other criminal activities. So he wasn't a guy who was hitting and killing people yet. He was mostly just like a collector. That's actually what our grandfather, or uh, Grandpa Vito, yeah. that's what he did. No way, really? Yeah, he used to go around and collect money for the people. And that means if he didn't have money, Grandpa Vito punched them until they got money. At least that's what I was told. I could be totally wrong. You had way more time with them, but yeah, from from my understanding. Listen, that guy. They went. They came from the city, and then all of a sudden, you've got this Italian ass dude who looks like a fucking bulldog, and he's a farmer in Pennsylvania. He gets in trouble with the law in a city, and then a month later, he's a farmer in Pennsylvania. That's how Grandpa Vito became a farmer. So whatever he did had to have been tied to the mob, and they were like, well, we don't want you to snitch, so why don't you go, since you've worked with us, just get the fuck out of town. So he became, you know, you don't expect a farmer guy to be mafia. At least that's what I like to believe in my heart. I, yeah. I don't know for sure. Maybe I should talk to Grandma Karen sometime and ask. I haven't talked to her in some Me either. I don't like You should just take a trip to PA, go down to that house again. Yeah, we have to wear our Make America Great Again hats, though, to fit in. <laughs> That's a part of the country that. Oh yeah. All about MAGA. Do you, do you, do you remember that creek they had? A, like you'd go down the hill and there was the creek. Yeah, I almost fell into it and died. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, oh my god. Yeah. That was crazy. Um, hey, we have interesting stories about that. Yeah, but we're gonna talk. <laughs> we're gonna talk about serial killers. Yeah. Um, so after he pays back the money to the DeMeo gang, mm-hmm. uh, he begins staging robberies and other assignments. Um, and that's how he gets tied in with the Gambinos, because now he's not just working for DeMeo, he's doing things like making unauthorized copies of porno tapes. <laughs> so in 2011, former Gambino associate Greg Bucciaroni uh, alleged that Kuklinski often traveled between Philadelphia, New Jersey, and New York, handling a variety of concerns involving the Gambinos' pornography establishments, including trafficking illegal porn, debt collection, and murder for hire on behalf of DeMeo. According to Kuklinski, DeMeo took him out in his car one day and parked on a city street. DeMeo then selected a random target, a man walking his dog. He then orders Kuklinski to kill him, saying, quote, all right, take this man down, unquote. Without hesitating, Richard gets out of the car, walks towards the man, shoots him in the back of the head as he walks by, and from then on, Kuklinski was DeMeo's favorite enforcer. Kuklinski would claim to have killed numerous people over the next 30 years. In my next 30 years, I'm going to kill some dudes. Uh, Are we going to get copyrighted for that? (laughs) He also claimed to have shot Carmine Gallant, who was, uh, I guess, like a big famous guy. I don't don't know. Um, Lack of attention from law enforcement was partly due to his consciously ever-changing methods, which did not establish a modus operandi. Jared says yes. (laughs) He used guns, knives, explosives, tire irons, fire, poison, asphyxiation, feeding people to cave rats, uh, and even barehanded beatings that he said was just for the exercise. Um, (laughs) Yeah. The exact number has never been settled upon by authorities. Richard himself at various times claims to have killed more than 200 people. 
That's a lot of his damage. favorite. Yeah, exactly. A, that's a that's a lot of damage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Flex Tape. If you guys want to sponsor us, that'd be rad. We love you, Phil. We love you, Phil. <laughs> we love you, Phil. We love you, Phil. <laughs> he, uh, Phil Richard, much like Phil, <laughs> Richard Kuklinski loved to use cyanide. Since it killed quickly, wasn't bloody or messy, and was hard to detect in a toxicology test at that time. He would variously administer it by injection, by putting it on a person's food, by using it in an aerosol spray can, so like a perfume bottle full of cyanide That's that he would spray on people, or by simply spilling it onto the victim's skin. One of his favorite methods of disposing of a body was to place it in a 55-gallon oil drum. <laughs> His other disposal methods included dismemberment, which he would use a chainsaw for, burial, or placing the body in the trunk of a car and having it crushed in a junkyard, which is very mafia. Yeah, he... Um in the in the interview I saw, he got so when the guy was like, "Oh, they say like to use chainsaws," he got so offended. Yeah, because the he guy was like, "Dude, don't you dare disrespect yeah, me!" Yeah, I don't use chainsaws to kill people. I use them to cut people up, bro. There's a whole there's a big difference, bro. <laughs> He's like, "Murder is an art. Disposing of the body, if I can do it however you want, however it's gonna get rid of it." Um, that's that's actually that's actually where the the um, um, cologne he uses. <laughs> what? Canoe. Canoe. Canoe cologne? Yeah, canoe cologne. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the bottle he would use. Yeah, he, would he, fill he, it up would, with... he was like, smell get bad, so I just take some canoe and just <laughs> get it all over the yeah, walls. Yeah, yeah. So just so everyone and they knows. Were like, and he, and <laughs> the interviewer is like, so like, why wouldn't you just use for like Febreze? And he's like, I don't need that shit. I got a $20 Febreze right here, or whatever he said. That's my, dude, if I was canoe, I'm running that as my ad. So good it covers up a dead body. Like, and it's serial killer approved. That's a tweet right there, dude. That's some yeah. ad. That's some ad revenue. Hey, guys, if you want to buy that tweet from us, feel free. Yeah. yeah can email you us at uh, the Stink Space Podcast. If Canoe Cologne uses Richard Kuklinski's interview tape as, as an ad, we did it. We started it. So tag us. <laughs> tag us, bro. Tag us, add us, yeah. and everything. Um,. Okay, okay, where am I at? I'm lost in my notes again, people. We're lost in the notes. So, his, yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. So, he also claimed, we're talking about um, getting him getting rid of bodies. One of my favorite ways he did that is that he claimed to have fed living human beings to cave rats in Pennsylvania, and he would record the foot, like the, it happening in order to collect the contracts for torture and safe disposal of a body. So if the guy, if the mafia wanted didn't want just want the guy to be killed, mm-hmm. they wanted him to be disposed of so that he couldn't be fined by the cops, or and they wanted him tortured. He would get all three of those things done in one by just throwing a dude in a hole with big ass fucking cave rats, and the cave rats would eat eat the person alive. That's crazy. Yeah, that's um, and it would do it would it would get your disposal, your torture, and your murder out of the way all in one. Mm-hmm. This dude was the Walmart of serial killers. He had everything. <laughs> Um, upon viewing one of these tapes, the mob boss DeMeo reportedly could not finish watching it and said that Kuklinski had no soul. He described that the rats would dispose of a human body in about two days, including the bones, leaving not even a trace. Oh my god. Yes, sir. Where are these rats, first of all? Pennsylvania. Just chilling. Yeah, so pretty close by with our grandma, I guess. Dude. <laughs> and our, our grandpa Vito, yeah. rest his soul. Yeah. Rest his mafia soul. Yeah. Um, 
so this is how he earned the nickname the Iceman because of his ex his experiments in disguising the time of death of his victims um, would use he he would use like an industrial freezer and he would freeze the bodies after he killed them mm -hmm. and then he would uh, like put the bodies like two months later he would like put the body in a car somewhere in a parking lot mm -hmm. after he poisoned them and they would thaw out. And then it would look like this dude had just been missing for two months, and his time of death was more recent than it was, because he would freeze the body immediately after. Mm -hmm. And he said that he got that idea from a, another hitman named Robert Prong, who was nicknamed Mr. Softy, because he drove around a Mr. Softy ice cream truck to appear inconspicuous. Prong taught Kaklinski the different methods of using cyanide to kill his victims, too. And Richard also claimed to have purchased remotely detonated hand grenades from Prong, who was like a... Perf he, he did a lot of crazy shit in Vietnam. We're going to have to talk about Robert Prong later. Um, Prong allegedly asked Richard to carry out a hit on Prong's wife and child, but that was against Richard's moral code. Um, or at least so he says. Um, he did, never killed women and didn't kill children. So the, in 1984, Prong was found in his truck fatally shot in the head like four fucking times I think a, a numerous times shot in the head by Richard because he had asked Richard to kill his wife and kids and so Richard was so offended by this moral code that the ice cream guy didn't even know about that he killed the guy who taught him how to kill yeah. for asking him that is yeah. absolutely yeah. disgusting <laughs> how dare he him. how dare he Dexter another man <laughs> in the book The Iceman Confessions of a Mafia Contract Killer which is written by Philip Carlo. Stop yelling at me. Sorry about my computer yelling. It's okay. Um, where's that? Oh, it's scheduled. It's 710 p.m. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? Um, Philip Carlo wrote the book, The Iceman Confessions of a Mafia Contract Killer, which Richard helped him write through interviews and stuff. Um, Kuklinski claimed to know the fate of Teamsters Union boss Jimmy Hoffa. That's a big boy. Um, his body was placed in a drum and set on fire for a half an hour or so, and then the drum was welded shut, buried in a junkyard. Later, according to Richard, an accomplice started to talk to feds. Uh, there was this fear that he would use the information to try to get out of trouble, so they dug up the drum, placed it in the trunk of a car, and compacted it to a 4 by 2 foot rectangular prism. It was then sold, along with hundreds of other compacted cars, as scrap metal to Japan to be used in making new cars. I wonder if Japan was just like freaking working on these things and then all of a sudden just like blood. And they're yeah, like, ah, oh, this again. Well, I think they get the cubes just get melted down into like new metal. So his body probably, when it got to Japan, they didn't even know that it was in there. Because yeah. it got smashed down into the size of like a, a dirt block from Minecraft. <laughs> and then they threw that in a, probably a furnace or something to melt it all down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, contrary to other accounts of Roy DeMeo's death, in the same book, author Philip Carlo writes that it was Kuklinski himself who eventually kills his boss DeMeo on January 10th, 1983. During their long-standing criminal relationship, DeMeo threatened Kuklinski's life no less than three times and humiliated Richard in front of others, including DeMeo's Gemini Lounge crew. Gemini Lounge was a strip club. Mm. So, he embarrassed uh, Richard in front of those ladies. I believe it was a strip club. It could have just been a lounge, but if it's Mafia and they own it, and it's called the Gemini Lounge, <laughs> there's probably titties there. That's all I'm saying. As a result, an angered Richard vowed to himself to one day take revenge and kill DeMeo for what he felt were personal insults. 
as it has been written, once Gambino boss Paul uh, Castellano or Cassiano ordered DeMeo to be killed because the FBI was closing in on him, the Gotti brothers, John Gotti and Gene Gotti, were approached to perform the hit, to which they declined. And if you know anything about the Gotti brothers, they were like pros, like Richard. They did, they took money and killed people, like whatever. Even they were like, nah, too much heat, right? Um, their fear was that he had DeMeo had too many loyal soldiers around him for protection, and so they wouldn't be able to successfully kill him and get away. Eventually, DeMeo's own crew was ordered to do the killing, but before they could carry it out, a last-minute business meeting between Richard and DeMeo occurred, where Richard shoots DeMeo in his own Cadillac and stuffs him in the trunk, along with a lamp from the back seat of DeMeo's car. It was one week before DeMeo's body was found, and it is unknown if Richard ever took any of the payment for killing DeMeo, as there were reports that he was unaware of the contract on wow. DeMeo's life. He just killed him to kill him. Didn't even know that the Gambinos wanted him dead. That's crazy. Um, are you gonna pause now? Or are we gonna no, keep going? No, we're so, you're, you're good. Look at that, guys. No second ad. We're just gonna roll. Or I guess it was a second ad earlier. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You, no third ad. Yeah. No I third. lied. You get the second ad. You don't get the third. Because that's how we do it here. <laughs> so, by the 1980s, after 25 years of working as a hitman for the mafia, mm-hmm. Richard Kuklinski starts his own crime ring. And he devises new ways to profit from killing people. Okay. Um, one of the big ones is the case of pharmacist Paul Hoffman. Um, and that was, his death was very typical of Richard's methodology. Hoffman hoped to make a large profit by illegally purchasing large quantities of Tagamet, which is a popular drug used to treat peptic ulcers. Um, and he was purchasing this at low cost so that he could resell it through his pharmacy at a higher cost. And where does he buy this from? The mob. On the afternoon of April 29th, 1982, Hoffman meets Kuklinski at a warehouse that uh, Richard was leasing to sell the ta- the, the medicine, the Tagamet, for $25,000, which in the 80s is a, a, a good amount of money. After Hoffman gave him the money, Kuklinski told him that the deal was a ruse. Then he places the barrel of his pistol under Hoffman's chin, pulls the trigger, but that didn't kill Hoffman, so then he tried to shoot him again, and the gun jams, so then he resorts to killing Hoffman by beating him to death with a tire iron. He then places Hoffman's corpse inside of a 50-gallon drum. Where the fuck do people get 50-gallon drums? <laughs> uh, I feel like everyone getting a 50-gallon drum should be... Can you get a 50-gallon drum at Walmart? I don't think so. Yo, Walmart, you should sell that shit. Um, but then, so he stuffs it in the 50-gallon drum and then leaves it on a sidewalk outside of the motel behind, uh, this, like, lunch place, it's called a luncheonette, called Harry's Corner in South Hackensack, New Jersey. And then he listens to, uh, the patrons as they walk, like, he kind of chills out there incognito and listens to people to see if they found the body. After what he says is a long time, he notices one day that the drum was no longer there, but he, it seemed like nobody fucking knew. Like, nobody knew what happened to the drum, nobody knew about the people, so that's a mystery. Um, Richard's first major mistake in getting caught was uncovered on December 27th, 1982, when the decomposing body of 37-year-old Gary Smith was discovered under the bed in room 31 at the York Motel in North Bergen, New Jersey. 
Smith had been a collaborator of Richard, who often ran car theft scams with him and another man, Daniel Deppner. Richard and Deppner killed Smith on December 23rd by feeding him a cyanide-laced hamburger. When Smith took longer to die from the cyanide than Richard expected, Richard grew impatient and had Deppner strangle Smith with a lamp cord. When Deppner's ex-wife, Barbara, failed to return with a car to remove the body, they placed it in between the mattress and the box spring. Over the next four days, a number of patrons rented the room, and although they thought the smell in the room was odd, most of them did not think to look under the bed. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah, people were sleeping essentially on top of his body. That's absolutely crazy. Um, Oh, I can't even think about that. Yeah. According to forensic pathologist Michael Baden, Smith's death would likely have been attributed to something non-homicidal in nature, like a drug overdose, had Richard relied solely on the cyanide. But because he had uh, Smith choked with the cord, I left ligature marks, and presumably the fact that the body had been deliberately hidden um, proved to investigators that Smith was murdered. Um, then Daniel he kills Daniel Detner, the guy who he had killed Smith. His body was found on May 14, 1983, when it was preyed on by a turkey vulture. A cyclist riding down Clinton Road in a wooded area of West Milford, New Jersey, spotted the bird and found the corpse. Kuklinski had put the body inside green garbage bags before dumping the body there. Investigators noted that the site of the body's discovery was just over three miles from a ranch where Richard's family often went horseback riding. Medical, so he probably hid the body while his family was, like, there, like, on the trip. That's crazy. Um, Medical examiners listed Deppner's cause of death as undetermined, although they noted pinkish spots on his skin he was the third business associate of Richard to have been found dead. So you have DeMeo, Smith, and Deppner. Then Louis Mazgay. On December 25th, 1983, he makes a significant mistake. Richard makes a significant mistake when Louis Mazgay was found dead near a town park off Clawson Mountain Road in Orangetown, New York, with a bullet hole in the back of his head. Richard, as he had done many times before, attempted to disguise Mazgay's time of death by storing his corpse in an industrial freezer for two years. Um, this time, Richard didn't allow the body to thaw completely before he dumped it. Therefore, the Rockland County Medical Examiner found ice crystals inside of the body, inside of the body, on a warm September day. Mm-hmm. Had the body thawed completely before discovery, again, the medical examiner stated that he probably would not have even noticed the trickery. Um, the discovery helped authorities to deduce that Kuklinski used a freezer as part of his modus operandi and led them to give him the name Iceman, which we already talked about. Eventually, five unsolved homicides, namely the deaths of Hoffman, Smith, Detmer, Masgay, and George Maliband, found in Jersey City on, uh, on February 5th, 1980, were all linked to Kuklinski because he had been the last known person to see each of them alive. Oh, wow. So he was getting sloppy. Yeah. After 30 years of killing people, he was killing his closest associates, and he was not doing it well anymore. Um... So in 1985, the New Jersey Criminal Justice Department creates a task force composed of federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies, including the New Jersey Attorney General's Office and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, which is uh, the bureau that helped take down a lot of the mafia because the mafia trafficked in illegal alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Uh, The task force, nicknamed Operation Iceman, which sounds like a shitty Steven Seagal action yeah. flick. <laughs> Fuck Steven Seagal. Um, <laughs> I have, I, if I saw Steven Seagal on the street, I would ice him like the Iceman did to his victims. <laughs> I, Steven Seagal is fake as shit, dude. 
His Aikido's weak, bro. It's not real. He's a fake martial artist. He tricked everyone. Jean-Claude Van Damme is more of a real martial artist. The gay French martial artist Jean-Claude Van Damme, bless his soul, bless his beautiful heart, is more of a martial artist than Steven Seagal. My mom loves Steven Seagal, too, and it pisses me off. It's like, oh, you love a big fat faker with a ponytail who can't figure out if he's Italian or Russian. Fuck Seagal. Anyway. And tweet at Steven Seagal, tell him we said fuck you, Steven Seagal. <laughs> um, so yeah, Operation Iceman, it bases its case almost entirely on the testimony of undercover agent Dominic Poliferone, who, or Poliferone, um, as the evidence, and the evidence built by New Jersey State Police Detective Pat Kane, who began the case against Kalinske six years before. So wow. he, he, had, he started it in 1979. Um, starting in 85, Detective Kane, an ATF special agent, Dominic Poliferoni, <laughs> worked with Phil Salamine, a close longtime friend of Kuklinski, to get Poliferoni close to Kuklinski. Poliferoni, <laughs> if that's not how you say his name, uh, we're just going to call him Dominic. Dominic posed to Kuklinski as a fellow hitman named Dominic Michael Provenzano, because apparently this dude's still got to have a. His, his fake last name has got to be fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, Dominic tells Kuklinski he wanted to hire him for a hit against a wealthy Jewish associate in a cocaine deal robbery and recorded Richard speaking in detail about how he would do it. Richard claims in the HBO interview, which is what you watched, mm-hmm. that Salamine was the only friend he did not kill. So the guy who helped the police was the only friend Richard didn't kill. Yeah. On December that's what, 17th. That's what he said. He was like, he's like, I killed all my friends. Except for the guy that fucked. Yeah. So just to go to the show, like, kill all your friends. <laughs> Make sure you kill all of them. <laughs> um, on December 17th, 1986, it was arranged for Richard to meet Dominic to get cyanide for a planned murder, which was to be an attempt on a police detective working undercover. After being recorded by Dominic, Richard went for a walk by himself. He tested uh, the Dominic's cyanide on a stray dog using a hamburger's bait and saw that it was not poison. So suspicious of it, obviously, Richard decided not to go through with the planned murder on the undercover detective and went home instead. He was arrested at a roadblock two hours later. A gun was found in the car, and his wife was charged with trying to prevent his arrest. Prosecutors charged Richard with five murder counts and six weapons violations, as well as attempted murder, robbery, and attempted robbery. Uh, Officials said Richard had large sums of money in Swiss Bank's account and a reservation on a flight to that country. He was held on $2 million bail and made to surrender his passport in March 1988, a jury finds him guilty of two murders, but found that the deaths were not proven to be by Richard's own conduct, meaning he wouldn't face the death penalty. In all, Richard was convicted of five murders and sentenced to consecutive life sentences, making him ineligible for parole until he would be the age of 110 um, in the year 2045. <laughs> Imagine just an old-ass man just like, I'm it. Yes. Uh, another important murder to talk about that he committed was the murder of a 19... In 1980, um, in 2003, he pled guilty to the 1980 murder of NYPD Detective Peter Calabro, in which he received another sentence for 30 years. In that murder, the Gambino crime family underboss Sammy the Bull Gravano, who's another very famous mobster, was also charged, and Richard said that he parked his van on the side of a narrow road, um, forcing other drivers to slow down as they passed... He laid in a snowbank behind his van until Calabro came by at 2 a.m., then stepped out and shot him in the head with a sawed-off shotgun as Calabro was driving by, and he said that he completely decapitated 
Officer Calabro with the shotgun. Um, he denied knowing that Calabro was a police officer at the time of the assassination, but said in the interview um, that he more than likely would have murdered him anyway had he known. And then finally, in 2005, after nearly 18 years in prison, Richards diagnosed with Kawasaki disease, which is an inflammation of blood vessels. He was transferred to a secure wing at St. Francis Medical Center in Trenton, New Jersey, and although he had asked doctors to make sure they revived him if he developed cardiopulmonary arrest, um, his then former wife, Barbara, signed a do not resuscitate order. A week before his death, the hospital called Barbara to ask if she wished to rescind the instruction, but she declined. Niklinski died at age 70 on March 5th, 2006. His body was cremated. Boom. Finished before 710. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Hey guys, uh, this is the outro. I was so the reason why Nick was going so fast it was my fault because I thought my computer was gonna restart at 7:10. We're very pro. It's currently 7:10. A little thing came up and it was like, "Hey, wanna restart now or wait an hour?" And I was like, "Really, bitch." Really, bitch. Thanks technology for giving us a choice. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, he was he 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 wanted to be revived if he had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. A week before he has the heart attack, the hospital calls his wife Barbara to say. Is this still a thing we should do? And she's like, no, fuck that dude. And so when he had a heart attack and, and died from it, they didn't resuscitate him. Um, and he dies at age 70, March 5th, 2006, pretty recent. Um, and yeah, his body was cremated. So he wasn't buried, he was turned into ashes, much like all of the cats that he fucking cremated as a child. And that's karma. Ladies and gentlemen, here in Snake Space, we believe in karma, and there's no higher form of karma than getting your rocks off or your cats to death. And then eventually, in the end, your wife saying "fuck you" and then you get burned to death. Yes, that's what we're gonna end the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I did. I have a whole size of Texas in my jeans. Right now. Um, so yeah, that's how we're that's how we're doing. We're slacking. Jared just goes. Jared just goes. Hey, dude, he's like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Little did Jared know though, I was trying to flash him sort of sad, you know. <laughs> All right, love you guys. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.